Hello and welcome to Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. Each Sunday, you'll join us at the Messiah Lutheran Church Bible Study Class led by Pastor Jim Audie. Pastor Audie is away at the moment as a guest preacher for a neighboring church, but we are blessed with one of our class members, John Schweitzer, to lead in the Bible study class as we continue our series in the book of Matthew titled, Living the Life of the Beloved and the Belonged. We hope you enjoy. All right, let's uh, take a look at the review from last week uh, as, past, as we have here. Why do we want to consider it a compliment if somebody says, lighten up? As opposed to, well, as some people might say, lighten up. You know, kind of lighten up, right? But really, lighten up. What, what's uh, Messiah? What's our, uh, our emblem? Uh, sharing his light. Sharing his light. Because uh, we've been called to share his light. And, and in today's world, uh, sometimes that isn't always that easy. So lighting up is, uh, is something that we can really help others. I wasn't sure how to explain being salt of the earth. I guess, you know, that, uh, we talked a little bit about that last week of, um, you know, a lot of us are on salt-free or salt-restricted diets. <laughs> but the, the point is, it's about the seasoning, okay? It's, uh, and actually, I, I always liked the, the one more, uh, of course, it was used in a more negative connotation about yeast and how, how yeast uh, spreads through batter, right? I don't know if you've ever done sourdough bread, but, right, a little bit of that just keeps on going, and then you start the next batch, and you keep on going, do the next batch, and the next batch. That's really what Christians are supposed to be, too. So that you know, we're, we're really that yeast. We keep going, and we, and we keep you know, explaining and uh, sharing God's Word and His message of salvation. And uh, we talked a little bit, too, about when you do good things, when you do nice things, it's a great time to witness. Yesterday, I, I've been working this week as an uh, elections judge for early voting up in Salina. And uh, it's, it hasn't exactly been a mad rush uh, because <laughs> Collin County has, it's a general and special election. So it's mostly school boards and some municipal things. There's nothing countywide. And neither McKinney nor Plano have any issues on the ballots. So it's been a little quiet. But I was, so I was able to get away and take a walk because we always have to have two people at the site. Right? And the people at, uh, in Salina at Grace Bridge, which is a uh, donation center, and they also have a food bank. And I saw they were working, so I went over there and to, just to thank them for, for what they were doing. It turns out it was the people from Prestonwood, uh, because they have the big Prestonwood here in Plano and the one up, it's called Prestonwood North Campus. And so they were there you know, packing up boxes, loading them up, they had vans and everything else. It was really great. So I just thought, that oh, was a great opportunity. And they all had their, their shirts on, and it was really nice. Really, they were witnessing by the work they were doing. I had thought, though, that came to me this week, which I thought was kind of interesting. There had been arguments about uh, faith saving you versus good works. And the outflow of that is that good works has gotten such a bad rap. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is we should be about good works. But if I said, oh, you do-gooder, was that a positive or a negative comment? It's, it's an interesting point how society can turn things, right? Mm -hmm. they, oh, you do-gooder used to be a, a really nice thing. Oh, yeah, okay, thank you. I, I'm glad I can do it because the Lord has blessed me, etc. And that isn't really the way a lot of people mean it anymore. 
And they, uh, they make it, if you're standing for your faith, it's, it becomes a problem. In fact, pastor sent me a note that I, I did some follow-up research on. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Facebook has stopped Concordia Publishing from using their advertising system because they use the word Jesus in their in the content of what they advertise. So, and Facebook says that goes against their policies of, of no religion. They said you can continue to come back into using our ad linkage system, but you have to remove the term Jesus from any of your literature. So that, you know, that's another one of those subtle. They say, oh, look, we've got these rules, you know, but it's another subtle way that it, it kind of suppresses how we can share his, share the light and, and spread the word. was that because I get links from Lutheran Witness all the time through Facebook. But if you're getting it directly from Lutheran Witness or the others, this was when uh, it's a news broadcast. And if it's coming, if it, if it, if it pushes into your Facebook as open news. But if you're subscribed, and that's just like when you subscribe to podcast.com, put a plug in for that, right? Messiah Luther. Right? In this case, you, you're getting it, you, you've subscribed to us, and so you're getting it. But this was just, if you're not subscribed to a service like that, Concordia Publishing can't issue as a, just a publishing, if you would, advertising, uh, and, and automatically link in. Okay, and the other thing we talked about was that even when you go through failures or hard times, it's still a time that you can witness because we can, the way we act when we come through it. Like we said, a lot of times we, in fact, most times, we can't always control what, what happens to us or what the circumstances are. The one thing we can control is, is how we behave. So it's another great time to witness. So getting into today's lesson, let's start with uh, Matthew 5, 17. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And that little sentence is kind of interesting. I, have to, I, I often wondered what the Pharisees uh, and scribes might have thought about when, you know, when Jesus said that. And of course, he's going to get into more detail about this uh, later on. But uh, to the, the Jewish uh, faith at the time, the law and prophets was really... A, a series of things. So it started with the law, of course, the Ten Commandments, and the prophets, and, and the five books of, of the Pentateuch. Say it right here. The Pentateuch. Pentateuch. The five, first five books of the Bible. And then, of course, the whole of the rest of the scripture, the prophets, etc. But one of the key things was the oral law. And uh, this, the Jews, uh, of course, you know, it was, it was written that you are to you write your, the name on your hearts and, uh, and keep it in front of your, you know, on your brow, keep it in front of your eyes and share it with your children generation after generation. So oral law and oral passing down of all the stories from, you know, from being delivered out of Egypt, uh, everything else was, was always part of Jewish tradition. But so, so the oral law was, was a very important part. And in fact, I looked up, did some research on where we are with, we'll get into about the uh, Mishnah, but oral law is still considered a legal commentary on the Torah, explaining how the commandments were meant to be carried out. So it's, you know, the oral law was, was just as important as, as anything else. And in fact, it was really, it, it preceded the written law, which is the Mishnah, as we'll get into. So the reason for these additional laws beyond the Ten Commandments was that they felt if, if something wasn't 
explicitly prohibited or explicitly commanded, then the scribes and the Pharisees in particular had the ability to implement it. So they, they could kind of, they felt that was their room for expanding and, and, and growing in the details. So they took on that role. And especially in those 400 years from the time of the last prophet to the time of Jesus coming, they had written a lot and expanded quite a bit. Uh, the uh, example that, that uh, is written here talks about the third commandment of keeping uh, the Sabbath day holy by not working. And uh, in fact, they have a, a different explanation in here. There it is. If you look at the specific biblical law relating to observing the Sabbath, one, this is from a rabbi. He said, uh, for the Sabbath day to make it holy, it's clear that it was a, uh, an important day. And to observe the day, one only finds injunctions against lighting a fire, going away from one's dwelling, cutting down a tree, plowing, and harvesting. So they, a person would, might feel that merely refraining from these few activities would fulfill the biblical command to keep the Sabbath holy. So instead, they decided to add some details of what it meant to do work. And the sample here is uh, they determined that burden now was defined as uh, food equal in weight to a dried fig or enough wine for mixing in a goblet or milk for one swallow. Uh, you know, how they came up with that, I have no idea. But that's the level of detail they attempted to, to put in to further explain what they thought the, the commandments meant. So until third century, they were basically taught. They, they weren't written down. But that's when the Mishnah, so they started writing down all these oral laws because that helped uh, document what a strict uh, Orthodox Jew would, would have to do. The, uh, I'll give you give an idea of what the Mishnah is like. Comprises six major sections or orders that contain 63 tractates, each of which is further divided into chapters and uh, paragraphs. First order uh, has 11 tractates and deals with discussing daily prayer, devotions, and has 10 tractates within it regarding religious laws on agriculture, etc. So this was really kind of bringing in, if you would, the mosaic laws uh, for society where they said, you know, every seventh year of a field should go fallow so that it was basically for the health of, of the field. And so, they, But they're now bringing those type of, if you would, civil rules into what is being uh, put down as, as commandments. The second order is about festivals contains 12 tractates that deal with ceremonies, rituals, observances, uh, and prohibitions related to the Sabbath. So that's where the lifting something uh, heavier than a dried fig uh, started coming into play. The third order deals with married life, has seven tractates, explains religious laws concerning um, betrothals, marriage contracts, divorce, bills of divorce, and certain other vows that affect married life. I'm not sure what those are. And the fourth order has 10 tractates covering civil and criminal law, inheritance, court composition, jurisdiction, testimony, and erroneous decisions of the Sanhedrin High Court. So apparently this was kind of like an appeals court. So in case the Sanhedrin made a mistake, they wrote down uh, some corrections to it. So that's kind of the, you know, the, the, the detail that 
Jesus is facing here. Right? These guys are, are uh, the, the Pharisees in particular, thinking that they have gone through the letter of the law. So, in an effort to trap him, right, they, uh, they ask the question, and this is uh, Matthew 22 now, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love your God with all your heart and soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What do you see interesting what, what, you know, in, in Jesus' response here? Simple. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and he didn't say number one is more important than number eight. Or, you know, he didn't get into that argument. What he said was, he, 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 very simply, he points back to the Ten Commandments. And he talks about basically the, the two, if you would, chapters, if you were, the two key meanings in the Ten Commandments. Honoring God, living, and then how you love your neighbor. And, when he, and it's interesting, because now he says the law and the prophets. So now they were trying to get him, right? But, well, are you turning over what the prophets told, you know, have told us? No. He said, this is what all of that hangs on. It's about your relationship with God and your relationship with others. So he really turned it down, um, turned it back to the simplicity. And it's, it's interesting because I looked at in some of the history, uh, and still to this day, uh, some Jews feel that Jesus himself violated what he, well, I'll get into that a little later, because it violates what he says uh, later about setting aside any, any laws. But, so this was really a point of controversy, and yet his answer left them without an ability to really point to anything that he violated. So well, a couple of the key highlights there is uh, where love, respect, and reverence for God and your neighbor should be a response to his loving you. So as God loves us, that's really the intent of the law. And all of this stuff that the Pharisees and scribes have tried to do was to take the meaning of the law and turn it into some kind of legalistic view. And how, how well have we done at trying to legislate uh, moral behavior? Let me see, we had uh, prohibition, uh, we've had... Uh, all kinds of things, right? And, and it, it's interesting that we still haven't learned our lesson on that because it seems like we're still trying to come up with more and more laws about behavior. And whether it's gun control or drugs or anything else anymore, uh, the, the point is, if, if in fact the, an individual's heart isn't right and if his relationship with God isn't right, you can probably put all the laws you want and it, it isn't really going to change that behavior. And that's the other thing. If, if legalism is the thing that motivates you, you're always going to wonder if you did enough. Uh, did you do it right? And, uh, and, and certainly, you know, did I lift something on the Sabbath that was heavier than a dried fig? I mean, that, that can be very unsettling, and it's going to be one of those things that just tear you apart. So, beloved life principle, number 16. Loving God, others, and yourself begins with God loving you so much he was willing to forgive you from sin and deliver you from death through his son. And your love for God and for others and for yourself is always a response to God's love that he initiated in the first place. You guys are really quiet. Any qu the, the thing is working, you know. Any questions? <laughs> Don't be afraid. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's go on. So now we get to the part he says, I've come not not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And, uh, and so here, you know, now he brings out 
this, you know, as we talked about, he's gone back to the real meaning of, of the commandments uh, and not dealing with all these, with the, the oral law that has been focused where we've got Ed, more and more and more and more detail. As I said, this week, I, working as an elections judge, I had to go to a full day's training down at Collin County. You should see what the elections judge uh, handbook looks like. You know, it's like there are, you know, it's just unbelievable. Well, of course, have any of you ever worked with a contract? Right? You've, you've seen what, what it looks like. And interesting, I always told me that contracts are always written for when things go, fall apart. And that's, that's when you go back to the contract. Because I liked working with a, a company that I worked with was Cisco. And they had a very, they said when they worked with a partner, the relationship was what was important. The contract was there if something fell apart. But it was really about building a better relationship. And I think it's interesting, you know, that's to me what I think what Jesus is saying to us too. It's about start that relationship with God first and then let, you know, work on your relationships with people because of the power that he gives us. He kind of puts the batteries in our flashlight, right, to, to be able to share his light. So uh, it, it's really about, you know, that, the, the right meaning. So Jesus goes on to, to go into a little more detail now about fulfilling. He says, for truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Does that, trouble, does that statement trouble anybody in here at all? It, it raised a question with me because I asked pastor, so I sent him a note. And I said, wait a minute, what, what does it mean about least in the kingdom of heaven? Because if he, I was always, no matter where you are in the mansions of heaven, it's just, it's beyond our imagination. And he straightened me out. <laughs> he, uh, he, what he said was, Jesus' reference is not to the kingdom of heaven as, and as we talk about after judgment day. But it's really about dealing with the, the kingdom uh, that is in the heart now. And his emphasis is turning on end this least and greatest. You can see the, he's dealing with the Pharisees who felt, because they've written, written, talked through all these specific details, and they're keeping them, or at least keeping all the ones they felt they have to to qualify, then they thought they would be great. But they're also now teaching people things that are not in the Ten Commandments. So what he's saying is if you teach people and, and away from what is the true law, which is the Ten Commandments and their intent, then you're, gonna, you're the least. So here they were thinking they're the greatest. And so wait a minute, you're, you're the least. So um, it, it's, he said that nothing changes in what God has committed. And so God, through his son now, of course, he, God committed that Jesus would come, sacrifice for us. And so therefore, we never have to worry about whether or not we're loved. And uh, because that's not just the law, but that's the other thing. God is unchanging in terms of his promises. Now, this is the other part I told you. He gives me, okay, so whoever sets aside and teaches others... And I'm not teaching. I'm just leading a discussion. <laughs> but, it's, you know, but, but going a little further, okay, there, there is the formality of teaching. And some of you have been teachers. I know, you know Richard's been a teacher that, that very, in, in a formal sense. But the reality is every one of us is a teacher in our daily lives. And uh, if you have 
you see, judging by the age of our group in here, grandkids, but even when your kids were small, right? Do you ever pay attention to how much they, sometimes they surprise you how much they're watching and, and the things they see you do. And, and you say, well, why did you do that? Well, you did, uh, oh, no. yeah. So it's also why, and, and why Luther wrote the small catechism for families too, is that leadership in the family, daily devotions, uh, prayer uh, is, you know, the, the way we act every day we're teaching and we're teaching the next generation in addition to our peers or anybody else that we run into. So he cautions us that uh, what we do and how we act influences others and we need to take that seriously. Okay, so we'll get into the James lessons here. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And so I think, you know, pastors have, you know, have to take that as a, it's a very serious thing because they are the shepherd of a flock and uh, they're held to a higher accountability. Second, James uh, three seventeen, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from the heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Quite a difference there between, right, between the fruits of the Spirit and how we're supposed to act in terms of our witnessing. Yeah, Carl. <clears throat> the first, first sentence or part of the sentence in verse 18 is pretty, pretty telling. Uh, truly, I, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, which means when I come back, when Jesus returns, not the smallest letter of this law will, be, uh, will disappear. Now what's the purpose of the law? Show us our error, show us our, our shortcoming, our inability to keep the law, therefore we must turn to who? Jesus. So here it is. It's, the law remains until he comes again. He takes away the law and blesses, blesses those who follow him. He, and as we talked about in other classes, um, three purposes of, of the law, right, is, is a mirror, a curb and uh, a guide, right? So it's, it's a mirror to show our sinful nature. It's, it's a curb to, try to help us from walking down that street that we know is full of pits and, uh, and potholes. And, and it's also then a guide as to how we should live our Christian lives. But the neat part is we're not under the law, right? Because we have the Holy Spirit in us because God sent his son for the sacrifice, and he died on our behalf, for us, we're not under the law. We are... But he still commits us to teach the law. Right. In the, in the, in the next sentence. It's kind of interesting. So we're not free to just roam and do whatever we want, but we're not going to be judged by that law. So, okay, so then uh, verse 20. Oh, we're probably going to get out of here early. You guys aren't questioning them. <laughs> I have a quick question. Okay. You might have missed writing it down. What was the 
Say, oh, you're right. That was it. Okay. But see, he, the one I've got to have him filled in. So see, I've kind of read across it. Okay. Beloved law, principle number 17. It's tempting to think that I can do what I want. The law doesn't apply to me. Through faith in Christ, God's law is still important. As we just talked about, it teaches us how to love God. And actually, I'd say it also teaches us how to love each other. Christians would fit in there just as well. Pardon me? If you use Christians, that would fit in there as well. That is true. That is true. It's, basically, it says, yeah, you're right. And that's one of the temptations that yeah, Christians could think. So, okay, I'm not under the law, so I can just kind of go. And, and ironically, today's devotion in Portals of Prayer is Galatians 3, which explains this very clearly. It says, uh, verse 23 through 25, until faith in Christ was shown to us as a way of becoming right with God, we were guarded by the law. We were kept in productive custody, so to speak, until we could put our faith in the coming Savior. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian and teacher to lead us until Christ came. So now, through faith in Christ, we are made right with God. But now that faith in Christ has come. We no longer need the law as our guardian. As our guardian. Interesting. I like the way it says that. Yes. In other words, until Christ was here, the, the law was the guide. And it was... It, uh, now we have Christ as our guide. Uh, so it's not like he's thrown it away. Right. But it's not what's going to save us. Exactly. The, the law is no longer what's going to... isn't what's going to save us. Following the law completely, because we know we can't. But the good news, And that's the good news. So following it completely is not what's going to save us. It's the mercy of Christ and his, his blood that saves us. But the law is still there. And the law is still there to guide us and to act as a mirror. So we remember every day that we, we cannot keep the law perfectly. Okay, so verse 20. If I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So now kind of at that point, I imagine the Pharisees were starting to think, oh, okay, wait, maybe he's coming back uh, here to us, right? Because, look, we're so righteous. We're, we're really good. But remember, they were thinking of it from a legalistic standpoint. And they said, well, we're, we're better than these other people because we know all these things. And we follow all these things. We dot every I. We cross every T. People commonly assume that if anyone could be part of the kingdom of heaven, it would certainly be the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, because they prided themselves on jot and title, the smallest letter, least stroke of the law, thinking that if they achieved perfection, they would hasten the coming of the kingdom. But sadly, they missed the point of the law and the prophets, and they rejected the, the Jesus as the fulfillment of the love and the law. So it gets back to you where they... they amazingly, I mean, they had Jesus right there in his presence. They, they knew his teachings and yet they stuck to their legalistic views. Do you have a question? No? No? I thought I saw a hand go up. Okay. I was hoping I saw a hand go up. Yeah? Uh, I'm sorry you dropped us off at uh, verse 20 and didn't get to 21, because that expands on this. In other words, the righteousness of the Pharisees was an outward righteousness, and the righteousness Christ demands is an inward righteousness. And when you get down to commit murder, when you hate, 
That's the same as committing murder. That's an inward feeling, not an outward action. That's a great point. Thank you, buddy. I'm trying to think. I, is that where we pick up next week? Is 21? Maybe that was. Yeah, maybe maybe we divided it. That's a great point because because it kind of leaves you hanging there otherwise, right? Because, like I said, if you say, "Oh, the righteousness describes the Pharisees," okay, great. Then he goes on to describe though this difference of of the legalistic righteousness with total lack of love. They they, they missed. It's interesting because they spent so much time with the oral law and, and extra details to try to explain the law and how to keep the law, they missed the whole point of what Jesus tried to bring them to, which says there's, there's two big things. You know, love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor. But isn't that the problem with expanding law? In other words, we write a law, don't cheat on your taxes, okay? And then, I mean, I think the tax law is like books and books and books because it has to specify what does that mean not not cheating on your taxes because well I didn't I didn't recognize that income because it wasn't really income you know you know and we have people that will justify their actions you know good Samaritan you know that guy was unclean that's why I walked right by couldn't touch him well, like I, I know Pastor Audie's told us before too. I mean, like, because I because I have a feeling he might have done this as a kid. He keeps saying that. Well, you said I couldn't do this, but you didn't say I couldn't do this, right? So, and and we, you're right. We we've always looked for wiggle room, you know, and uh, and the more detail you make it, the, the I guess the easier you can create a loophole. But God doesn't have loopholes. You know, Jesus, there's no loophole in love. It's you know. You love your God with all your heart, and you love your neighbor. And it's like, why is that so hard for you to understand? But it was, and it is. Anyway, and this is, and I know later on in, it was the, the 6th century, Jewish scholars went back to the, some of these statements by Jesus to, to say, you know, he violated uh, uh, some of this because he didn't keep every one of our detailed loss, you know, he, and he, they healed on a Sabbath, right? I believe they, they took, they used the bread, uh, the sacrificial bread, right, for, you know, for feeding, picked corn or grapes, I can't remember now which one, yeah, grain, right, to eat. Uh, so, you know, they're saying, hey, look, he's, he violated, so, you know, this guy, and that was all part of what they eventually built up to, you know, getting to the how, why they could justify killing him. So, so, and it's interesting because a lot of that argument kind of seems to still be hanging around today. But I think as long as we stay firm on, on going back to what, what Jesus said and he described, you know, this wisdom, earthly wisdom is, is corrupt and selfish. And uh, if, you, if you really look at the wisdom that comes from heaven, I, I love the way he described it. Pure, peaceful, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere. Actually, that's the end of today's lesson. Uh, any, any, any questions, discussions? Yeah. One of the problems with making rules is that the maker of the rules has to remember them too. <laughs> maker of the rules has to remember. I, uh, I don't want to get into any political discussions, but I mean, there's a lot of people that feel, wait a minute, how come 
You know, Congress uh, does all this, and they don't even have to follow them, right? In, in the household, the more rules you make for your children, the more rules you as the parent have to remember them. You know, that, that's it. You're right. You can, fight, you can trap yourself here, right? Uh, so you said all these. You're absolutely right. You know, setting rules to try to modify that behavior only makes it more and more and more difficult. And you do have to remember every. What did I say? Okay, this is. Whereas if you do it with respect to more of the attitude, okay, the intent, uh, then you've, you've really got a lot more freedom because it's it's why you do something as opposed to what you have to do. Keep me happy. Would your grandmother like this? <laughs> And I was like, like my mother, it was always like, you know, that's right. Remember, I'll always be watching you. <laughs> Even if I'm not in the room. I'll, and some, I, I, I don't know how she knew sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mothers have eyes in the back of their heads. Don't you know that? <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Okay. I, it's like, you know, I'd be off doing something outside or whatever. And I was like, John! How did she? Anyway, I think she still does sometimes. Okay. <laughs> yes. John, did Pastor leave you the answers to the second beloved life principle number 17? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, let me go through that. Beloved, principle number 17. When achievement and perfection... Be 17B? Well, let me do them all. When achievement and perfection, I've got time, we'll do them all. When achievement and perfection become your motives for virtuous living, several things will suffer. A, gratitude is minimized. B, you compare yourself to others in a prideful way. C, you increase the internal fear of have I done enough. And D, you have no comfort when the world says your best isn't good enough. And E, self-righteousness is a false god. It promises fulfillment, but it can't deliver. Legalism flows out of self-righteousness. It brings no joy, only guilt, shame, and fear. Now, guilt, shame, and fear can be great motivators. I, mean, it's, I think we've probably all laid a guilt trip on somebody now and then. But it, is, it isn't the right way to go, and it does not last. I mean, guilt can only go so far. Okay. Well, there's probably more cake downstairs. Yeah, Carl. The uh, opening to an evangelism discussion is uh, uh, at the point about C. Excuse me, D or D. Have you, are you comfortable with what you've already done? You know, have you done enough? That's a bit from C. Those, those questions right there, are you sure you've done enough? You know, ever, anybody that says, oh, sure. He hasn't got a clue, so you know, most people will say, I, "How do I know?" I mean, I never know. Isn't it great? We don't have to worry about that. You've got an answer. And that's the other thing. I think you've seen, if you've seen a lot of times in professional athletes and others, this is about when your best isn't good enough, when when you kind of you lost one step and things like that. I mean, it can be it's crushing to their egos, right? They, they've been built up and oh, and, you know, all this and awards and all that kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden. And uh, they don't know how to react to it because uh, it's been based on, on the wrong thing. It's been based on accolades from men and not, not, uh, not about their relationship with God. But it's also great why when, sometimes when you see an athlete who's had success and he, he says, you know, I thank God you know, for you know, thank Jesus. So it's, uh, 
I'm not saying it's everybody, but I'm saying if, if that's what's driving you, it can be crushing when it falls apart. Okay, let's go ahead and close with prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for, for bringing us together to uh, study your word today. We uh, ask you now to watch over us this week as we go about our, our daily lives and uh, bring us back uh, next Sunday to, uh, to worship you uh, here and uh, ask you to take care of us as we go about our ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. If you want to join the discussion, please send us an email with your question or comment to messiahlutheranpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to read it during an upcoming class. You can also go to our website at www.messiahlutheranpodcast.com, where you can find links to all the previous episodes and copies of our class notes in case you want to follow along with each episode. You can also find out where to subscribe to the podcast at messiahlutheranpodcast.com slash subscribe for links on how you can find us on iTunes, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or any other podcast catcher of your choice. If you feel like we have given you any value during this podcast, please consider going to our podcast page in iTunes and leaving a rating or a review. Not only will that provide us with valuable feedback that we can use to improve the podcast for you, but it will help this podcast to climb the iTunes rankings and help us spread God's message to anyone willing to listen. Once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and until next time, may God bless you throughout your week. Bye.